0: Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
1: Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: The Around the NFL podcast (laughs) has a bone to pick with Kathy F.
2: Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by Head & Shoulder's my name is Dan Hansis and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Colleen Wolf, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up people?
1: Hey, 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 hey.
2: That,
3: that time money nailed it. Kathy F is high on our S list, and mm-hmm. this is some judge with a ton of money, cash falling out of her pocket. Thinks she can go take a vacation in the middle of the NFL season with with work to do, with decisions coming
2: down. Kathy F up in the Poconos, Spend having all her
1: own all time. money up there. Put it
2: this way: during the Zeke Elliott appeal process, as the lawyers are going back and forth, with her she's got like the thousand yard stare, and then you like cut into her inner monologue, and it's just like. All you have to bring is your love for everything. (laughs) Beautiful Mount Airy Lodge.
3: Must be nice being at the Mount Airy Lodge.
2: The Poconos. I went there several times. Elk
3: I am. You are the only person I know that went and mesmerizes me. I've been there. All right, two people on this show have been. I spent my whole childhood watching those ads, wondering what it was. Half my family lived there.
2: Oh, look at Greg. Greg grew up on the East Coast. He doesn't even know the commercial.
3: Uh, Really? You might be a little. You might be a little young for it because I'm surprised the way that you know. They they would have different. I
4: lived in Western Massachusetts.
3: It's I far enough away. Oh, you know didn't what they New probably did. Yeah, yeah, you weren't you weren't Pocono's
4: territory. Makes
2: sense. My
1: family grew up right at the Pocono Raceway. Was, uh, the wolf, that was the the Wolf side of the family. That's
2: goosebumps, goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, being that close to the hallowed grounds of the Poconos Raceway. <laughs>
1: That's right.
2: Um, the Around the NFL podcast. It's our Tuesday show as we start uh, looking forward to Week 14. But so much to get to. It's a busy show coming up today. A Monday night football review, a memorable, maybe not for the right reasons, but a memorable Monday night matchup between the Steelers and the Bengals. Um, A comeback for Pittsburgh and a terrible injury for Ryan Shazier. We're going to get into all that. Uh, We will. We talked about this um, back in, I think, July or August. And now we're going to resurface it. What coaches, and Greg, I know this is a tough situation for you when we talk about this, hot butts, a little hot butt talk.
4: I just don't like the term hot butt and the sound of that's happening. Yeah, but what's
2: no. it, what's the difference between hot seat and everybody loves saying hot seat, and we say hot well, butt?
1: Because it sounds like we're torturing someone.
2: Well, now you're referring is to that. the drop itself.
3: Yeah,
1: The drop se- makes me feel uncomfortable.
3: Hot seat suggests that your butt is touching the hotness of the seat, so I think Dan has just gotten sort of cut to the chase with hot butts. And
2: we're also going to do a Thursday night football preview. Big game. Big NFC South showdown between the Saints and the Falcons, so that's a big one. So, so much to get to today. Let's not um, dilly-dally.
3: No more Airy Lodge talk.
2: No, enough of that. Let's start with a little Monday Night Football. Boswell is ready. The snap, the ball, put down. The kick is up, arching through, and good! The Steelers have won it on a 38-yard game-winning field goal
0: by Chris Boswell.
2: That's Kevin Harlan, of course, of Westwood One. Uh, Chris Boswell kicked that field goal on the final play of regulation after Antonio Brown um, caught a six-yard touchdown pass to tie the game in the fourth quarter. The Pittsburgh Steelers come all the way back, uh, facing a uh, 17-point deficit in the first half, a 23-20 win over uh, the rival Bengals. And if Wes was here, and we wish he was, he would laugh at the term rival because, once again, this is the most one-sided rivalry in the NFL and Pittsburgh did it to Cincy again ending all but ending their playoff hopes not totally out of it in the AFC but 5 and 7 now they are out of it they are in a tough spot and and beyond that um they just they didn't show any heart closing out that game they needed now uh, before we get to the specifics of what was a very violent physical game let's talk about the ryan shazier injury greg we'll start with you on this one early in the fourth in the first quarter this was in the first five minutes of the game uh, shazier suffered a back injury didn't have any feeling uh, below the waist a truly scary moment that cast a pall over the entire game Uh, what is the update we have first of all greg
4: well, Mike Tomlin spoke Tuesday morning. Didn't have a huge update. Basically, last night the Steelers said the next 24 to 48 hours are going to be important in terms of him getting some feeling in his lower extremities. Our, our reporters, rather, Aditi Kinkawala and Ian Rappaport, reported that he did have was having some feeling in it. But you listened to Mike Tomlin speak about it on Tuesday, and you know he he spoke about how difficult it was to leave. Shazir there at the hospital. Shazir's parents uh, are now in Cincinnati with him at the hospital. And it, it, I kind of saw during this game, it was almost like the Shazir injury and everything else that happened got conflated. And they were two totally different things. This was just an unfortunate uh, accident that you said it well, Dan, kind of cast a pall over the game. It was kind of like, I don't know. I immediately thought back to Kevin Everett which was 10 yeah. years ago which was the last yeah you know, circumstance that felt like this and as we speak now we don't really know what the what the prognosis is going to be for Shazir. we're just hoping that that he's okay
3: they they also need swelling to go down but it sounds like from where we were last night that there is there's hope there is some it's positive, positive. The, the reports are reports. right exactly there is movement in his in his lower extremities so that that's the first concern but Greg I couldn't agree more with the way that you put it, I think it genuinely affected both teams, and it absolutely... I mean, you forget, this is like someone that these guys spend all day with, all season with. It's the brother. I mean, they love this guy, and he is a genuine... He was one of their team leaders, and one of the guys in the NFL is truly a, a wonderful person, and you saw reporters responding the same way because of what they know about Shazier, and so I... It, it it was the game came so secondary to it. And Pittsburgh's comeback, I think, was quite impressive because of what they were dealing with internally the entire time.
1: It made me feel so sick watching it. And then I think just to see like the reactions, Vince Williams just crying on the sideline and then guys going up to him and sort of comforting him. And you saw how serious it was. And it just kind of gave me like I felt sick after watching it a little bit.
4: It's one of the brutal things of football that you know, injuries like this happen. And this was an extreme case of that. And then they just start, And that wasn't the only they just start, one. They just game. start playing though, 30 seconds later. They don't call the and game. Right. It's just, you have to, right. you have to on. move on. And and it's a unique circumstance. And, and like moments like that, however, this all results like that's a moment. That's, it's going to be something that Shazier and the people mm-hmm. around him, they remember for the rest of their, their lives and something that stays in
2: mind. And, you know, Joe Mixon got knocked out in this game. Uh, I believe there was another concussion involved. You had, uh, Antonio Brown clearly a head hunting in- incident uh, on his touchdown pass that tied the game, um, and
1: perfect went out. The perfect
2: went
4: out Adam Jones <clears throat> with a Juju
2: Schuster yeah. hit, which was um, really blatant by uh, Smith Schuster. And where you know there are some reports out there now from Mike Garofolo that uh, Juju Smith Schuster will be suspended for his uh, peel off block on uh, perfect and then standing over him. And, you know, one other point about all the injuries and the violence and the physical nature of this game is, like, there is a, a very vocal segment of football fans that get angry uh, when teams are chummy and they're palling it up. And it's like, it's not like the way it used to be. Well, this is what it's like when teams genuinely dislike each other. And they want—they're out for blood, and they're coming after each other to to knock each other out of the game. And I don't think it was necessarily a fun watch. It was kind of—I—I uh, I kind of found myself cringing, uh, especially by the time he got to the game and they—they they, and Ioka tried to take uh, Antonio Brown out of the right. game. It's just like this isn't even fun to watch. Where it was are the just coaches? Yeah,
3: where are the coaches in this? Because you know, it, the, the, you knew going in the roadmap for Steelers Bengals has been well laid out. We know what these teams think of each other, and the, what happened last night. I mean, it oh, it supersedes that playoff game from a couple seasons ago in terms of the incidents alone. You didn't have Mike Munchak throwing people around this time, but come on. I mean you got to settle these teams down. But also, so the
2: players it, have to be accountable I, as I well. I agree, they, but it's great. They strange. talk about we, all, the, all the issues with CT and the players, you know, the lawsuits, and, you know, we're, we're not protected. It's like, you guys got to look out for each other, too, and you can't turn it into, like, a revenge game back and yeah, forth.
4: Yeah, right, and, and it's really we're just talking about two hits, and that's the thing. It felt... It felt like a lot of different things were going on. Mixon happened on a running
2: play. It was a very – That's what we saw, by the way. Right. It It doesn't mean there wasn't more stuff going on on the field as well.
4: It it was a very physical game. It was Schuster's hit that started it, and then it was Aloka right after that. Those were the the two moments. I mean, Schuster's hit – Immediately reminded me of Heinz Ward's peel-off block yeah. against Keith Rivers against the Bengals, which changed an NFL rule. It, it was almost identical to it, except Ward broke Rivers' jaw, and at the time, people celebrated that Heinz Ward hit. And Schuster, it's it's really interesting because everyone says they were you know, Schuster reminds uh, Ward of him, and and it happened and. It, if it had been six inches lower, I don't think people would have really had a problem with it. He was standing over him, and then Iloco responded. It was those two hits. Other than that, it was just a physical game, but they were about as dirty as it gets.
2: And a little breaking news here. As we're talking about this, Whoa. I see this from Andrew Siciliano's feed. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and George Iloco both suspended one game. So there you go. It's the league now trying to clean up what was a mess in the game. And now in terms of the game, let's just <clears throat> hit on this before because we, we got a lot to get to get to today. Um, really <clears throat> a I thought an impressive Pittsburgh comeback uh, to be down 17 nothing on the road on on in prime time and to lose beyond Shazier how scary the injury is and how that kind of took everybody out of the game it seemed uh, he's also their most important defensive player so to to put it all together and come back that's impressive and then on the Cincinnati side it's like people say like you can't like say one team is it's oh same old Bengals the last 30 years same thing with the Chargers I was bringing up Sunday It was like oh no this is a different Chargers team some teams like they just have it in their DNA uh, to to blow games and blow seasons, and Cincinnati did it again last night.
3: They played the best half of football they have all season in that first half. Now, a lot of that, I think, had to do with what the Steelers were dealing with emotionally and just simply having lost Shazier on the field. That had a major impact on on Cincinnati's offense. The Bengals crumbling the way they did. To me, the, the DNA here is this unchanging combination of Marvin Lewis Andy Dalton, it's the same story year after year. You don't have enough to get out of the AFC North outside of that 2015 season, which was spectacular until Dalton got hurt. That is one year. This is the same Dal- ba- Bengals team, season after season, and I wonder, you know, their fans were annoyed last night because I tweeted in, like, the first quarter, we know how this thing's going to end. The Steelers will win this game. I just have enough faith in Pittsburgh to do that, but it has to do much more with the Bengals. Yeah. They cannot finish their own business. How are they to be taken seriously?
1: Well, that A.J. Green touchdown that was called back. That hurt them. Right. The I
3: mean, that was bad that luck. was they
4: Win
2: the game if, and that was a terrible call.
1: That was an awful call. That's, that should have been a touchdown. And should've that's had part had of the Bengals
2: thing too. There were some questionable calls. There's a right. pass interference call that went against them. The AJ Green that took seven points off the board. Uh, and certain franchises just seems like things don't go their way in crucial junctures of a season.
3: As West pointed out last night, the, the the Dalton. In Lewis connection are three and 12 against the Steelers. La- you can talk about the touchdown. They got called back last night, but they find a way to do this. If not two times right. a season, two times plus the playoffs.
1: And then just one more thing. The uh, Le'Veon Bell, he's so good. He was so good in this game, but maybe they need to just like pump the brakes a little bit on Lev and save him a little bit. The yeah. amount of touches. I don't think it's
2: going to happen. Oh. If, oh. It if it hasn't happened not, yet,
1: they're not going, I know. Yeah. Hey, week 14, yeah. maybe well, we they do this, but still
4: they have to play the Ravens next week. Right. And then they have to play the Patriots after that. And you're right. I mean, they, they were banged up. This was – you mentioned some franchises are just – Snake bed, it seems. Like that. Well, this yeah. Bengals franchise has as much continuity in terms of their personnel and their coach as as any. And so what's going on since 2015 – you mentioned that season that was different. Think about when it changed. When Andy Dalton got hurt, they got – I believe they got blown out by the Steelers late that season. Then they have the, the playoff game – uh, where they where they lose at the end that's the most famous Steelers Bengals game last year people don't remember this game because the Bengals are pretty much out of it. They were up twenty to six in December and blew a home game this time it's seventeen to nothing and They lose Adam Jones in the first half. They lose Joe Mixon. So there was some bad luck there. But in the end, they got the ball three times at the end of the game. And they only got one first down. Andy Dalton was incredible how well he played for most of this game. But when push came to shove at the end, it was the Steelers that make the play. And Antonio Brown deserves a lot of credit playing through an injury what a performance from the yeah. first minute on, and then to cap it with a touchdown catch like that—that that is the type of stuff that MVP seasons are made of. It's almost impossible for a, a wide receiver to win an MVP award at this point, and I, I don't know if I—if I would ever vote for him either. But he has done everything, and he always does it at the very end of the game. And and if it wasn't for him, they, I know you're kind of sick of them barely winning these games. I'm Mark, not sick of them. I just well, just just that they like kind of it's, <laughs> it's just, during it's, games. It's my uh, point.
2: Mark's Twitter feed.
4: If, 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 if you, you know. want to talk, It is highly predictable. If you want to take away, like, talk about, like, if you take away Russell Wilson from the Seahawks, what happens, which is totally fair, and with, you'd say that with any quarterback. Take away Antonio Brown from the Steelers, and they lose all these close games. His performance right. in this game and Roethlisberger's at the end was really Bengals incredible. 13
3: yards in the fourth quarter.
2: I take, have, take care of business. Oh God. I have no idea how Antonio Brown held on to that touchdown right. at the end. He's, just, I mean, he's he's made of He's made different. He is an MVP,
4: but we only vote for and and some of it. The last thing is self-inflicted. Marvin, when you that famous drop you have about Marvin Lewis, sometimes who's you, Mark Sessler? Oh. you know a drop up top You know a talk up. That one? Yes. When Geno Atkins, your best player, gets a late hit on a drive late in the game, which definitely hurt them. They were probably going to get the Steelers off the field at the point. You don't bench Geno Atkins for the rest of that drive. I think that kind of slipped under the radar. John Gruden didn't really say anything about it. Atkins didn't go on the field, I don't believe, for the rest of that drive, and the Steelers go down and score a touchdown. It's like, oh, my God. I don't know what was
2: going on with John Gruden in this game either. I'm going to save it for the John Gruden in decline podcast, but I don't know if he's got one foot out the door or what. But that was a strange game. It's
3: been mentioned on like four straight Tuesday podcast
2: various right. things <laughs> with the with the way he's talking about perfect and all that. We got it, we got to move on, it, Greg. It, we got to move. I, I know, Greg.
3: Save it for the Greg alone podcast. I feel like we could have for an hour. We done, <laughs> on, let's could
4: done a podcast just on this game.
2: Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. But we have so much more to get to, including oh my goodness, a big coaching change. Let is, let us now move on to news. All right. Yes, it's true. The New York Giants made a move. In fact, two moves. Uh, huge moves for the franchise. Firing head coach Ben McAdoo and general manager Jerry Reese. Uh, this, in the throes of a miserable 2-10 season, uh, McAdoo was let go, uh, I guess, a week. It was a week to the day after the decision to bench Geno Smith, uh, which... Uh, <laughs> bench eli manning i can't i keep on mixing up my like all-time new york giants quarterbacks apologies. <laughs> I feel you. apologies everybody uh new
4: york area quarterbacks i really feel like gino got to that level with the Jets.
2: yeah he's yeah. kind of like one of those legends of the new york sports scene. totally um anyway so the, the decision was made to get rid of mcadoo now and get rid of uh jerry reese the general manager now and that goes against the press release the Giants put out last month saying that they were going to hold, hold Pat for the rest of this doomed lot season. Lots changed since then. John Mara spoke to the media after these two huge moves uh, and was asked, what, why, why did things change?
0: I changed my mind. We changed our minds. I mean, given that uh, all of the events that have occurred, where we are as a franchise right now, and I just, to be honest with you, it became more and more apparent that we were going to have to do something at the end of the season. So we talked... Uh, after the game and again this morning, about why prolong it uh, any longer? Why, why not just get it done now? Um, I'm very conscious of the fact that three of our last four games are at home. I was conscious of the having lived through it before, of what the reaction was going to be. Um, it also gives us somewhat of a tactical advantage in allowing us to start looking at general managers right now rather than waiting uh, until the end of the season.
2: It feels like the Giants with John Marin, this is, again, a great... Uh, organization that typically does things right. They're, they're starting to put things back together and make some right moves, but the damage is done. And by the way, Eli Manning getting benched, you know there have been a lot of fingers pointing. Uh, John Mara did take some accountability on that front as well.
0: You know, it is it, where it is, and you ought to stop uh, blaming Ben and Jerry on that. If you want to blame anybody for that, blame me, because I, I certainly had the power to overrule it if I wanted to. I chose not to do it.
2: So there you go, Mark. The Giants, uh, Steve Spagnola is the interim coach. Uh, Ernie Accorsi, who's, who's been involved with the Giants for decades and is a, a really respected guy behind the scenes. He will be leading the GM search, <coughs> search. The Giants are starting over.
3: Yeah, and why make the move now? Well, you have three of your final four games at home and you have a chance to, you know, the, as you said, the damage is done. You can't undo the bee's nest this organization uh, ran into in the last couple of weeks here, but you can maybe find a way to A, get a jump on a coaching search, a jump on a GM search. You know, Reese has been there since 2007, has two Super Bowl titles, has been building that team He's for a Rome long, too. long time. Absolutely. I mean, Mara made the point, I think with McAdoo, You know, you fire a coach after two years, there's not a lot of relationship to look back on, especially this season. Reese and Mara were tied at the hip for a long, long time, and I think that was a very tough dismissal for him. But watching Mara, I think he's one of the best owners, and the Giants are going to be okay, in my opinion, because A, Anyone would want to coach for this team because ownership is patient. It's not one of these franchises that reboot every two seasons, every seven hundred days. You got a top three draft pick coming your way. You can choose to start over at cornerback. There's a lot to like here.
4: There's a lot of stuff to like in the roster. I mean, the ownership totally botched this situation, and it was good to hear John Mara. You know, he take, owned it. Take up take some accountability. But ultimately, he got Ben McAdoo fired. Too like if if he hadn't allowed, if he had truly made a difference and stepped in the way and who knows how that that all worked. it sounded like the initial suggestion was from Mara to start playing some of these younger guys he basically got Mara and Reese fired earlier and that that's fine it's all timing but he has absolutely botched this entire scenario they chose McAdoo, who was in the building for two years they made him the head coach and the reports from Aditi Kinkawala was that Jerry Reese didn't want McAdoo as the head coach. So if the Browns did something like that, where ownership went against the GM that's been there and won two Super Bowls and made his own choice to keep a coach who was in the building, who was the offensive coordinator, and it all blew up in their face and both guys get, we'd blame the ownership.
2: Yeah, I mean, they absolutely bought it. And he deserves blame, Mara, for this. And now, if you take a couple steps back and take kind of a macro viewpoint of it, of how horrendously they botched this. Eli Manning now, it looks like he's going to start. That's awful. Again, <laughs> uh, he's going to go back into the starting lineup. So basically... So
4: the last memory of Gino will be some pretty nice passes in the fourth quarter. I'm, he made some gems. I mean,
3: I'm just that
2: is throw a, it out there. you got to give me a break on that. <laughs> I will remember him calling Rex Ryan a coward in the post. Yeah, yeah I,
4: mean, right, that, so.
3: that, a I mean, that's the thing. I
4: mean, that's
2: not how you represent
3: the Giants. Uh, so, you know,
2: let me, let me, do, let me okay. just say, so Eli is going to probably go back into the lineup rap sheet saying it's pointing that way. We're hearing that all over the place. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, you want to talk about self-inflicted wounds uh, by an organization. You could not have handled this worse because you you blow Eli's 210 uh, consecutive start streak. Now you make a, a titanic apology gesture to your quarterback uh, by getting rid of the coach and the GM. And I'm sure there was some sit-downs between ownership and Eli apologizing. But it's like, I wrote about this yesterday. It's kind of like uh, your buddy who cheats on his girlfriend gets caught, and then try to try to make up to, for it, he like proposes to her. And it's like, okay, maybe that works, but there's some scars that are going to be left behind, and it's not that easy. You can't just clean this up and put a Band-Aid
3: right. on it. I was not giving Mara a free pass for this episode, but I think that the Giants' ownership in general has to be viewed as top five in the NFL over the course of the last... Three decades. They are a steady organization. It's an attractive landing spot. That's all I'm saying.
1: I think they had to do it at this point, though, because obviously this is an organization that doesn't fire coaches mid-season, and. They had no choice because of everything that was going on. And even Mara said it. He's like, I know our fans are suffering, but I'm suffering more right now. And I thought that that was an interesting moment because you don't hear a lot of owners come out and straight say that. You can see on his face how passionate he is about the team and how awful this whole scenario has spiraled out of control so quickly this entire week. They just had to do
4: it. It's a nice roster, and uh, Jerry Reese is the surprise part of it because I know they've only made the playoffs once in the last six years he has a complicated legacy but his draft class won them a Super Bowl in 2007 and he really built up that 2011 team so he's an all-time giant for for what he did, and they kept him around for a long time. I'm sure that high, that firing was a lot tougher
2: for. Yeah, Bart and for it, it to happen in backup. season, it, it I mean, just shockwaves through that organization. Um, all right, so that's what's going on with the Giants, and let's move on. So yes, yeah, suspensions for Juju Smith-Schuster, and oh, by the way, we're going to talk. You know, Ben McAdoo no longer. No hot butt. It's just his butt's on the street. That's the way this this game works. Cold butt. We're going to get into (laughs) some more hot butt talk a little bit later in a few minutes. But now some more suspension talk. Rob Gronkowski has has been suspended one game for his cheap shot uh, in Sunday's game. And uh, he was frustrated that... <clears throat> Bill's cornerback, Tredavious White, was being over physical, over, overly physical with him uh, on an interception, and he, he threw his like forearm into the back of Tredavious White's head. White suffered a concussion, and there was immediate speculation that Gron- Gronk could be banned for a game calling, and that's exactly what the NFL did. He suspended one game, um, which I'm sure they will survive against the Dolphins, and he'll be back in the lineup Against the Steelers, if you really wanted to send a message, by the way, you would have suspended him two games and taken him out of that. That is the, that's the big point there. there, there. But, yeah, but instead they went with one game. And your thoughts? Well you think it was too light?
1: Well, no. I mean, I was looking at the schedule and I was thinking if if the schedule, if this happened at a certain time and he was out for the game against the Steelers, that would have been cat maybe catastrophic for the Patriots just because of the ripple effect there, because the Patriots really need to win that game. They need Gronk there. I mean, one game, he should get one game at the very least for that. It was like a total cheap shot and he waited and he thought about it and then he did it.
2: To his credit, and we'll listen to it right now. Here's Gronk. Uh, he did own up for it immediately after let's hear what Gronk had to say. Well, I definitely want to apologize. to Number 27. I mean, I'm not in the business of that. I mean, it was a lot of frustration and, uh, I was just really frustrated at, at that moment. It just just happened uh, naturally through emotions and frustration. And uh, just
0: want to uh, apologize to Jadavious White. Um, I don't, 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 don't really you know, believe in type of shots like that, but just through the frustration process, uh, game of football, emotions.
2: Uh, and I don't know if you guys caught, caught at a local affiliate covering that Bill's Pats game. Got Sean McDermott and Belichick at midfield, After the game, McDermott made a point to bring up that uh, Gronkowski was out of line. And Greg um, uh, Belichick said, that's bull blank. Yeah. Uh, And he apologized. And that
4: makes sense because there was no arguing around this. I'm a little surprised I shouldn't be that Gronk is appealing it or his agents uh, appealing the suspension. So that does bring a question into when he will serve it. It also could... Um, you know, it's going to be a very costly one. Not only does he miss the game, but he he could end up losing a couple million dollars in incentives that he has through an like, action of his own, right, related to playing time. So he he's going to pay for it, and it's good that the NFL is acting quicker on these things. Usually, like. Like nothing would time. happen or his fines or like we find out in two or three weeks. Like yeah. this Bengal steeler stuff, it's buttoned
3: up here the next morning. I think that's that's exactly right with the NFL acting quickly. I, I People killing Gronk for appealing it. Um, I don't think he should. But you think that the the, the Patriots want him to appeal it? I think they do. I don't think he's going to get appealed, that's all. But I don't think it's Bill Belichick— he, ex- he is appealing. Oh, he didn't. Oh, he didn't. Okay. I, I no, think he's appealing, I would... I, the decision hasn't come down. Right, right, right. I would,
4: I would think they would just say, serve it right uh, now. Yeah, against Let's one of the words. Get it out of the, the way. The I don't know. <laughs> against the,
2: the Dolphins. Um, all right. Hey, guess what? What? From number one New York Ty- Times bestselling author James Rollins comes the thrilling new novel. The Demon Crown. Oh my God! You've been waiting for this, Mark. You've had a calendar. You've been xing off the days till the Demon Crown is on. I'll play along. Yes, I have. Can and now it's to, here to, to save. It. Listen <laughs> to this, Mark. I know you're you're a, a voracious reader. To save mankind's future, the members of Sigma Force must make Greg a casserole. <laughs> <laughs> Devil's Bargain. Close. Follow along as they join forces with their most hated enemy to stop an ancient threat, often compared to Clive Cussler and, yes, Michael Crichton. Some people say Crichton. I say Michael Crichton. You got it right. Best.
1: Like Crouton.
2: Yeah, Michael Crouton's best. This book combines real science, which is good. Science is, you know, if you're going to have science, make it Yeah. And history with cutting-edge military action, I feel like this <laughs> this book, whatever this book is, is right up the alley of our listeners, so they really nailed
3: it. Yeah, I mean, it's it sounds a tad cookie cutter, but proceed.
2: It's um, a great place to join in on the wildly successful Sigma Force series, so <laughs> get started. Sigma Force. Yeah, That's man. Great. Get started. Yeah, woman. Well, get started with videos, audio, and more at jamesrollins.com. Oh, yeah, the Demon Crown. <laughs> Dan, you're going to read that, right? I already did. I got an advanced copy. Oh, Oh, I'm always. How was it? I'm way on top. As advertised. I've read all of the Sigma Four series.
3: Name of the main character, please.
2: Carl. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, let's talk about some hot butts. But 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 some butts are not hot, and some butts are. Mark's butt is not hot, but Greg's might. I think it is in some
1: ways. It's very uncomfortable.
2: It should be. It's a hot butt. All right. So, like I said,
4: it's like those warm, you know, car yeah. car seat warmers.
2: Yeah, that's very. Oh, those are nice. Too. My wife always makes fun of me because she calls me a werewolf. I'm, I just run hot in general. Um, not surprising. <laughs> um, but what happens a lot? I'll, I'll accidentally hit the switch on the butt warmer in the car, and I won't even notice it. It'll just be. Like, and my like, wife will look down and be like, "You know, that's been like warming." <laughs> your ass for like an hour and
3: a half Wait, what are werewolves attracted to hot temperatures um i don't kind of get that. also
1: you call it a butt warmer <laughs> the seat warmer <laughs>
3: whatever <laughs> like that butt talk come um, back to us werewolves I didn't wait that. you didn't know werewolves are warm-blooded right i mean i that's fine but take so, it up so with so my wife so are we Same for the pillow right, talk uh, podcast oh <laughs> all right well that's your invitation i didn't
2: create cool that. Whoa. What?
1: So, let's talk Why about you- more butts. All right. <laughs> let's
2: talk about some hot butts. <laughs> My wife calls me wolfman. Is that what is a little awkward? Is that what you're saying? I'm
3: just saying werewolves are not not known to be attracted to especially hot temperatures versus any other temperatures no, as werewolf, far as I know.
2: The werewolf itself is a hot-blooded creature,
3: as are we. Do you call yourself the werewolf? No. I mean, I'm,
2: I am going to, at this point, I am going to take it up Wiki with it, Wiki it, okay? I am or going take to take it up with my right. wife. I'm going to text her after the show and get to the Hit box. her up. Anyway. So, all these c- coaches that we're going to talk about might be feeling a little werewolfy because um, <laughs> as we head towards the home stretch, everyone knows, Greg, everybody knows that the first Monday after the regular season ends is referred to as what? Black Monday. I thought you were going to say Casserole. I was thinking Casserole.
4: Casserole. should have brought it back around.
2: Uh, you really, that would have been a really nice callback. callback, as they say in the industry. And, you know, your boy Tony Jeselnik would have been upset that you didn't hit that one. I think he'll be fine with me. Well, he listens to every show. So <laughs> oh, will no, send you some Shout notes. Does, does Tony <laughs> send you, like, an email, like, every show with, like, some tags and things? I think it's safe to say he's never listened.
3: <laughs> no, I was, was going <laughs> say, probably a zero <laughs> listener on any level.
2: Uh, any update on. RJVP. Oh, we're working on it. Oh, we're working, Ooh. On Ooh. On we're working on it. Listen to this guy. You got something cooking?
4: Making moves.
1: It looks like it.
2: I support Try. it, by the way. I want it back. It's good. Is it going <laughs> to be in this? Video? yeah. You were. Yeah. You
1: were. Now you support it. A genuinely, like massive it
2: supporter. Okay. Did not like it okay. initially, but now I support it. The, my own podcast I had with with my friend. Yeah. yeah. RJVP. Yes, that I now I would support it. All right. Back then, no, I didn't. But I was very open about it. You were. That's yeah. true. Privately, we talked about it as well. Had
3: one great episode where they played the same song over and over. It was one of the greatest things I've ever heard. <laughs> Prank of the year.
2: <laughs> um, okay, anyway, so let's get into it. Go down the list. We have a, a big list of coaches. Let's start with a category we call no-brainers. And I guess that means, uh, Colleen, that there's no chance that these two men survive uh, yeah. Beyond Black Monday, and on this list, list we have John Fox of Chicago and Chuck Pagano of Indianapolis. Mark, is there any realm where either of these guys make it past that Monday?
3: I think it's disappointing if that were if there were no. I'd say no. I my one question with with the Bears, especially a in Indianapolis, you have a GM that's going to want to have the chance to pick his own coach. Right. Uh, with the Bears, does Ryan Pace? Stick around after John Fox if John Fox goes. I think that'd be a big question. I don't. I'm not sure that Ryan Pace is uh, the most impressive general manager I've ever witnessed over the course of his run thus far.
1: And I think like one of the one of the things that caught my attention at the before the season even started was the drafting of Mitch Trubisky and how it kind of took everybody by surprise. Including what looks like the coaching staff, it seemed like the front office came in, kind of did their thing, got yep. him like. So you would think that they would have a little
4: longer leash to to hire another coach, but we'll see. Yeah, and this is it's a tough time of season. You know, when Bears are losing the Forty ers the Colts are just kind of, you know. Going through the motions, Chuck Pagano's now got bits. He actually brought in copies of Groundhog Day this no, week mm. to give to the reporters who had never uh, listened to it. So, and then he—that's <laughs> pretty he, funny. He then uh, made a good reference. Job, Chad. That
1: makes me like him a lot more. Yeah,
4: and so they, there's a good picture of the three of them all holding up uh, their Groundhog <laughs> this- DVDs.
3: The fifth, still, it was, the, still fi- it was DVDs,
4: the 15th but... anniversary edition or something really strange. It was like the 15th anniversary. What is that's a That's a thing you make a DVD <laughs> for. Oh but he also did another bit where he used a quote Love from uh, League of Their Own that there's no cry- crying in, in baseball and football and, and used that. So now he, he's kind of he's liking the attention.
2: Where are you now, Mark, with this added evidence? Is it more towards you worried about his mental, mental health or you think he's more he's just embracing the end of the road here?
3: I still have questions. I mean, I think that you're probably not in a good. These are the kind of guys like he already has a beard, but like you disappear for like five months and you get your health back. Like he does not f- sound extremely healthy or on what, point to me. What are
1: you talking about with his beard? No, I'm saying like oh well, he's a, got he's a, got like a goatee a, bro. It's a
3: goatee thing, but like I could see him vanishing <laughs> and like getting like a giant beard and like getting all his. John
1: has does that just, has done that oh, in like, oh, multiple. Yeah, parts we remember of our one life,
3: of those like, periods at least. Anytime he Gonza. like
1: stops with a job whether Jamal he like Gonzalez leaves or win. whatever yeah his beard and be his body hair body he body just body doesn't body cut body and they all body grow body into body one body giant hair I remember that. It's a
2: great move as a man if you have that freedom and in, at intervals that post Philly move pre-ringer pre-stringing <laughs> era for Gonzo was a little pagano on the I mean uh, yeah presser. Gonzo I <laughs> well I went over to visit
3: him one time and he's the Gonzo is walking around at 11.30 uh, a.m. after taking a, a nap, a long nap, after having woken up at, at 9. And he's having – he has, he knows it each time of day when he's having his little cup of coffee. And it was a beautiful period of life that I was very envious of. Not even
1: exaggerating. <laughs> I,
3: I, I'm going to bring uh, this Colts thing back around a yeah. the theory that you had. Yes.
4: That you said off the show that maybe John Gruden – you know, you're a little concerned about him. Maybe he's thinking about uh, future. Like it's almost like he's I'm not
2: concerned about him. But yeah, I don't think he's like done a great out. job this year. He, <laughs>
4: what, could you imagine him as? I think one job he would come back for, even with the risk of Andrew Luck's injury, and he's, I think he's almost talked about it openly. Is mm-hmm. coming back. I can just. See, I can just imagine John Gruden, Jim Irsey, oh, Andrew Luck just being a crazy situation.
2: Can totally see that. I just wow. what I, and what I mean by that, Gruden. It just. And maybe it is that kind of Tony Romo, and we talked about it in the pre-production meeting, that there's kind of been like a, if you remember Showgirls, is there a 15th anniversary DVD for Showgirls? Oh, there better also? be. Uh, Christian, do you own that? Who
1: what doesn't I- remember Showgirls?
4: <laughs> yeah, the criteria I got to start, start prepping for my, my wife and I's 15th anniversary because that's the big, that's wow. the big number. They are a big DVD going like out for today,
2: that. But, uh, but uh, Jesse Spano and Showgirls, <laughs> um, she's on the rise in the industry. And then Gina Gershon's character was kind of like the living legend. And then eventually Gershon gets pushed down the steps and her career is ended as Jesse, you know, surges. Um, a pivotal scene in a beautiful yeah. film. Yeah, an a- important a- film poetic <clears throat> in the late 20th century. That is kind of what's happened in a way with Tony Romo. Uh, he's Jesse. And uh, I think her name was what? Nomi, was it?
1: Wow. Christian, you remember this? Of
2: course he does. He was on the set. Christian watched it like 2 weeks ago. <laughs> he was the script supervisor of Showgirls. Show yeah, I was at the theater opening weekend. Thank you very much. Wow. Oh, wow. what are we talking about I saw in the theater. Anyway, um so Nomi uh she surges to the top. That's Tony Romo and Gruden for whatever reason and I tie some of it we've talked about this to tariko leaving in the booth. I feel like Gruden lost his juice a little bit in the last year or two, and now it just seems like he's a little distracted or not quite as invested. Just, just a bit of a sessler. Is that fair to say?
4: Well, there's going to be a lot of coaching jobs open, with some with
3: pretty good situations, including the Giants, which I think has a lot yeah. of talent like on that roster.
1: always been this way, though. Just, do,
3: do we overrate or do we look, we look at, like, cower for years in this rumor mill thing, Gruden too? Like, you've been out of the game for 10 years. Is that the coach you really want? He's still young
2: enough, though. Like, I, you know, I, it's like... I'm
3: thinking more of a coward type thing. By the way, I met Elizabeth Berkley at a, a a play area in a mall when Luke and Colton were there, and it was quite a. My, we were quite shocked to be discussing uh, childcare with Elizabeth Berkley.
2: <laughs> How did she, she? come off like everything was. She couldn't have been nicer. Control.
3: Absolutely, in a really nice person. Yes.
2: All right. Good. So there is some good news. Great. Post Showgirls. Nice update. All right. So no brainers. Have you, wait. Have you seen Showgirls?
1: I've seen it. Yeah, okay. I've seen it. So
2: you know don't. Cast the spur. I'm just, I'm just saying. Come on, Colleen.
1: <laughs> I've seen it.
2: Opening weekend though for Christian. How about that? Waiting online for showgirls.
3: The best thing that happened <laughs>
2: at the show was after the uh, the big Gershon kiss with Elizabeth Berkeley. Some yes. guy just screamed out, "I finally got my seven dollars worth." <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Some guy. <laughs> yeah.
3: Okay. Some guy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Fox and P- Pagano, we both agree, will be out uh McAdoo of course already out so we're gonna be up to three at least let's move on to very hot very hot but so not Mm no-brainers but very hot and uh on the list here and uh Greg we'll start with you on this one Dirk Cutter of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers it's been a really disappointing season they are on the short list of the most disappointing teams in the NFL you think it cost Cutter his gig
4: more likely than not because of the history in Tampa they go through court, uh, coaches faster than just about anyone you don't really hear from the glazers you know they they've got their premier league teams they're worried about but they just <laughs> drop they drop in and they get rid of guys do you, do you guys know who the coach who has the longest tenure in Tampa since John Gruden. John Gruden, by the way, who was nine and three the season that he got fired, lost four straight games, and then was out, which is a reminder that what happens the next four games can have a big impact on this discussion. Was it Shiano? It was Raheem Morris who oh, got two, yeah. I think got two and a half oh. years or got maybe got three years. That was a messy And thing that was the too. longest oh, that was the longest one.
2: How could I forget Youngry?
4: Yeah, that's the longest one. So they get rid of guys quickly, and this has been this has been bad.
2: All right, how about um Colleen, yeah, we were just talking about him earlier. Well, Marvin Lewis is a uh, goner. I
1: think so. I mean, I th- I think he's gonna either that or. Do we really
2: think this? He's been he's been surviving for I like know, fifteen years. I know.
1: Well, this is the end of his contract is coming up. His contract's up at the end of the season. This he might. Different. He Didn't might. That- shh, be quiet, Greg. Let me just <laughs> get this out. He might. Go, Connie. He might retire. Ooh. that's also a possibility. He might just hang up the old headset.
2: He's accomplished everything.
1: Yeah, so why not? But maybe to avoid being, like, quote-unquote fired, maybe he retires. Yeah, doesn't he usually
3: hmm. get that one-year contract extension by now that kind of keeps him around for one more season? He could go to the front office, but last
4: night, that's why... there. was Last
2: night was bad. There was yeah. so
4: much going on, and the Cincinnati Enquirer wrote the column, I think, that makes a lot of sense, is, was that the end of the, an era? And I, it did kind of feel like having that happened again felt like maybe that was the the game that ends it
2: and now I'll channel Chris (laughs) Wessling because I feel like Wes might have this take and I hope I'm not wrong Chris, if you're listening but like why would anything change now I know this yesterday felt different but it's mostly probably because it happened 12 hours ago (laughs) this stuff has been going on in Cincinnati uh, for over a decade um, and they don't like change they fear change so Although I agree it makes sense, I certainly if I had if I were a man that like you know, walk through the desert toward the light, mm-hmm. if I had to go one way or the other, I'm saying he's coming back. I'm
3: with you really? because I don't know if i put his butt is yeah, very just- hot because I don't think that's ever the case with Marvin Lewis. So mm. I, I think it. Colleen's point to be- on the contract is pretty telling, though, that he, he hasn't had. The- it is, I but am. I think you. I think your point that it would be his decision. Maybe and they they I find mean, someone to take his place either from within or uh, maybe from somewhere else in Ohio.
1: But like we would never know anyway. I mean, they could just fire him and it would be framed as a retirement. All
2: right. What about Mark? Your boy Hugh Jackson, who has a grand total of one win in two seasons so far. Are they going to stay the course? Should they stay the course?
3: Well, people might disagree with what I'd say here, but I think they would struggle. They would really struggle to get. A coach in here. Someone was. There's whispers about Jeff Fisher wanting a job. Like who's going to want what? it? Whoa. You know, I mean, it's just who's out there. That? It's out there. Like Jeff it, the idea that like Cleveland's going <laughs> right. to get one of the that. premier coaches. Um, I I would stay the course personally because they've 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 had four straight regimes flush everyone out after two seasons I think they're gonna go absolutely get a quarterback with the number one two or pick this this offseason and I would say unless you feel like you can get a coach that uh, can change this organization and be as Greg says one of the two or three guys that really uh, you know is a factor in games I just don't see that happening um, unpopular but I would stay the course it, but I don't think that's essentially what they're gonna do
4: it's tricky you're we're assuming that Sashi Brown will be allowed to still make the decisions that's part of the equation who's you know deciding this like Hugh Jackson I think does a really good job considering all the um losing of having a good public face and having the right attitude and like dealing with it Mm -hmm. because he's had a worse record than any coach in NFL history so far with Cleveland and he's underachieved It, it isn't Pointed out quite enough that Hugh Jackson's done a bad job in terms of winning games. <laughs> they are better than one in what is it now? No, they should be. They should be it's four in, and four to four in five right. wins. A, this season. They've underachieved, so yeah. it's I a tough decision. Because 20 I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. It makes sense to stay the course, but it makes it. It would make it almost impossible if they don't win a game.
2: It'd be pretty ballsy if they are worst case scenario don't win this year. Bring back a guy that's one in thirty one. If he, he doesn't win, I, the big it, picture thing. Yeah. Of all that. And then the other conversation, and it is uh, Hugh Jackson was involved with these quarterback decisions that are made the last two years. They cannot get this wrong. If they go three years and win, what, four games in three years or three games in three years, and then mess up the next draft and don't have a quarterback, it will be one of the most titanic mess-ups in the history of the NFL. They're drafting a quarterback. You have to be confident – that you're gonna get a guy out of this process, and you have the right people in the building, and that includes Hugh Jackson, who's in the center of it, making the right decisions. So it's it's really, it's a big decision. It's hot.
4: Franchise. It's very hot. It's very to me hot because. If he goes zero four, I just can't can't imagine.
1: And How and brutal what, is that? I mean, it's, can they you need imagine
3: to win. having on, only won one one, and, and game one last in your thing.
1: Career as a head coach there?
3: Yo, know, it's t- it's it's awful to go through it. I'm sure, but like one last thing with that, he has put on a good public face in terms of not. I don't think the team has given up on him, and no. I think he is engaging with players. But there are issues between the front office and the coaching staff, and there are some public issues and some stuff that's happened that is crazy. So that's yep. the concern. Can they get along? Can they survive this?
2: All right, let's go. Uh, possible surprises. I would Have bumped this up to very hot, uh, but I'll uh, throw Vance Joseph out there, the Denver Broncos. Um, he is not a popular guy, uh, in Denver. I was doing some uh, news searches after Sunday's game, and there was a call to get this guy out of the building in a McAdoo sense. Um, so it, there is not a lot of belief around from what fans. Vans, okay. columnists, all that stuff. Now, that doesn't mean that that's, that should be the reason for firing. But the team is really underperformed. Uh, but then on the other side, Greg, what, what can Vance Joseph do when they have such a giant hole at the game's most important position right
4: now? And it's Elway's guy. That's why I, d- I would not put him in very hot. Because at that point, Elway, it sounds like, had a big part in firing Mike McCoy, the offensive coordinator, which, by the way, has not worked out at all. They've gotten worse without him. And Mm. so that should be pointed out. I just can't believe Elway would start over and blow it up again one year. It it was unfortunate what happened with Gary Kubiak. That was no one's fault. But it it just feels like that would be pointing the finger at himself. I think he would give him a second. I
1: think you got to give him a little bit more time. It's pretty
4: rare that guys only have one and done. Chudzinski was one recently, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't happen too often, Danny boy.
2: I know it doesn't happen too often, but... They've had the Denver Broncos were supposed to be an AFC contender and they might end up going like three and 13 or four and 12. Like, that's the type of stuff that can get a guy one and done canned. All right. How about uh, Connie Fox, Jim Caldwell, who's had a um, interesting little career. I think a lot of people are surprised he got the job based on how poorly things ended in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. And then he had an 11 and five season his first year, made the playoffs last year, one and done no playoff wins, and right now they are at 6-6, and but are they even necessarily underperforming?
1: I mean, I I think he always kind of flies under the radar because the Lions always sort of are like middling like this. And especially this year where at certain points I would be like really high on the Lions. And I'm like, no, they're coming around, they're coming back, and then like the very next week, the next game would just be another letdown. Like if I was looking for a surprise candidate, it wouldn't be... Jim Caldwell, you know who it would be? Who? It would be maybe Andy Reid. Whoa. Interesting.
0: Hey,
1: out of left field. We didn't talk about this one. They have a new... new,
2: new. Oh, I like his (laughs) talk. Let's hear it.
1: But after after the start that they had to this season and now that they are just crumbling apart and everybody is just crushing the play calling and the fact that I don't know if he's just trying to simplify things so Alex Smith can kind of get back on track and then maybe defenses will stop stacking the box because they can't do anything again. Like they can't run the ball whatsoever or anything like Maybe the fact that the play calling is what it is right now is because he's just trying to dumb it down as much as possible, but he's getting a ton of heat for not adjusting or anything in these games.
4: There, there's some similarities there, and I think Caldwell is a long shot Be is a little bit of a long shot because he got an extension we found out during this season. And that's why I think Andy Reed's even a bigger long shot because when they fired John Dorsey, mm-hmm. they gave Andy Reed an extension and the GM that they brought in has a close relationship with Andy Reid, And he, he's a unique guy in terms of he kind of is the chiefs. And so I would be more surprised that he got fired than Caldwell who has a GM who really didn't have a, a history with him who came from the Patriots organization. And that's why I kind of put him on this list as a possible surprise just because, I don't know. I don't know if Bob, Bob Quinn, usually a new GM, wants his own guy, whereas, like, Andy Reid is the guy. So that would take the Hunt family to really kind of decide that we got to totally blow it up. Yeah, and, real- and,
1: and by the way, I should say, like, I, I know that Andy Reid did give the play calling to Matt Nagy th- yeah. this past weekend, but there's a ton of heat on him.
3: Yeah. Oh, regardless. yeah. No, I think, the, and, and it, it's deserved this year. I mean, I think Martha Ford, the Lions owner, likes Caldwell a lot. And got an extension. I don't think I think if Reed were fired, he'd have another job in five hours. I just I don't know. So you're gonna oh, get someone better than Andy Reid? I
2: think it would would have would be a huge mistake to let Andy Reed go. Yeah. And Todd Bowles, who's on this list, I think Todd Bowles is very close to out of the woods at this point. Oh,
4: I would not um, fire Todd Bowles. I, I only put that if like a long shot, like if he had an zero and four stretch, and and it was partly at the Woody Johnson factor of just Woody maybe surprising you.
2: That's yeah, all. no, I think it's possible. I also wouldn't rule it out though. I think they're five and seven. They've they've overperformed. I think obviously, uh, but if they crater here. And they finished five and eleven. I, I'm with you. I mean, I it would. It, it's gotten to the point now where they would really have to crater, and a credit,
4: again, they've shown no signs of doing it. Yeah, cre- uh, Todd Bowles. You don't fire
2: Bowles, Todd Bowles. People thought they were going to go in sixteen of credit. That said, with
1: that roster? if Andy yeah. Reid came
2: available. <laughs> And I was it's got to on be one photos. of those yeah. things
3: where he's on the phone with like the, <laughs> the new version of Bill Parcells,
2: like the night before Week Seventeen I, or something. But he, those
1: two used to work together too. Just saying.
2: Me and Keith used to. Me and will have conversations. Neither of us are huge Bulls fans. We kind of like guys that are a little more animated and plugged in. Not so much the in baseball the Joe Torre model where you're just stoic and staring straight ahead. But there's no doubt that he communicates and gets through to the players. I mean, it, it, it because the way they played this year. Um, real quick, you have to go. Connie. I have to go. We got we to did, talk about oh, this construction meeting. This at other one, show that you're involved point, in is very suspect. I will make good? it
1: through a show one point <laughs> this year.
2: Um, Jack Del Rio, Mark. Uh, uh, real quick on Del Rio, and then one more name. Uh, yes or no? Is he going?
3: Uh, no. Uh, I think, though, there's been some he- there's been a little heat around this, but th- they've been so disappointing. I think the ne- you talk about the next four weeks. The next four weeks have a lot to do with Jacques Del Rio. Right now, I'd say no. He's a long he's a long
4: shot. His coaching staff certainly is not working out. He had to change his defensive coordinator. His change to offensive, you know, he swept offensive coordinators in the offseason. That hasn't worked out very well. So there's a little bit of heat if it really went south. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he should be. Uh, Bruce Arians. That's more – I put that in there for retirement reasons. It, yeah. People have forgotten sort of the retirement buzz around him because he pushed back publicly. But I think you kind of have to push back publicly on that. And I just think with his health problems, and we'll see what happens with Carson Palmer, that it's it's at least possible that he decides to walk away. That's all. I don't think he, he would ever be fired by the Cardinals.
2: All right, there you go. Hot butt talk. Um, now, let's hop on those shoulders of greatness for the Thursday Night Football <laughs> Oh, the shoulders are greatness! Put it on your shoulders. Stunning on the shoulders of giants. These New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons. What a big game this is. Um, the Saints uh, can, you know, come close to wrapping up the NFC South. Yep. With a W. And the Falcons, it's amazing how quickly um, things have changed, Greg. The Falcons on Sunday morning uh, were playing well, thriving in the playoff. Uh, position, and then they get beat, and it wasn't you know some type of disgrace to get beat um, against the Vikings. The Vikings, yes, no disgrace there. Uh, but then. Seahawks go and beat the Eagles, and all of a sudden, the Falcons are on the outside looking in with a game against the Saints who are one of the best teams in football this season.
4: And it's one of the best rivalries in the NFL. The fan bases hate each other. The teams always seem to come up against each other at key points in the season when they can knock one of the other out. And this game is massive because if the Falcons win – they can start thinking not just about the wild card, but that they're in the mix for the division. As good as New Orleans has played this year, as well as they've played, they have to play Atlanta again in two weeks. And Atlanta has to think, hey, if we sweep them, we can catch up to them. And that's why it's such a massive game. The Saints are a much more complete team. And in their big games, I think we saw, for instance, you know, last week at home, yeah, they came out and they played their best. Whereas Atlanta scores nine points; they're an offensive team scoring nine points at home. And wow, it would be sweet, I think, for Sean Payton after the last few years to go in there and drop a bomb on this defense that I just don't have much. Well,
3: made. all I'd say is nine points against, and I get the Jaguars, a Super Bowl level Vikings defense that has done that in Minnesota on the road in London to everyone. All- exactly, but that's that's kind of what I mean. Like they're. That shows it's not their year in some ways. When they go up against the best, they scored nine. Points. I agree with you. I feel like they this is this the, inside the building. They have to know this is your final. Ch- you lose this thing, and you got Carolina going to Minnesota too, but the th- things start to get far away from you if you're the Falcons. and you po- Don't pull this off. They're going to put their best effort forward this time. I think you're going to get the best version of the Falcons.
2: And I've disagreed in this room with the, the notion that Matt Ryan uh, and the Falcons have been – you know, the same on offense, Ryan specifically. I think there is something lacking with Ryan, even though they, you know, they played really well before the Vikings game for a few weeks there. They, they haven't been the same team. They haven't been able to to lift in big moments. Here is the test. If you really yeah. think Matt Ryan is the same Matt Ryan as last year, if the Falcons are a team to be reckoned with and, and are going <laughs> to be playing meaningful January football, win this game. Win, and, win yeah. the game at home against the Saints. To uh, stay in the playoff picture, because if you lose, you kind of were the team that everyone kind of thought they were yeah. all season, where they were just never were able to put it together, win I, the game.
3: I'm more concerned about Atlanta's defense stopping what is this incredibly dynamic backfield, and Gonna by the way, a passing game that can do it to you too. Right. They they the defense had a better game last week
4: against Minnesota, but Kamara and Ingram are on pace to be the first guys to ever go over 1,500 yards. Kamara is at a level right now where he's averaging more yards per touch with anyone uh, than anyone in NFL history who's had as many touches as he has, 145 yards. And he just has such great speed in going up against another speedy defense with Deion Jones and, and the Atlanta Falcons. It is such a great matchup. I'm going to be watching the Saints defense because they should get Marshawn Lattimore back, or at least they sound somewhat hopeful of it. And him matched up against Julio Jones is about as good as it gets. And Cameron Jordan, who's just been a monster this season, I think can be in the mix of Defensive Player of the Year, especially with a big national... Uh, game. The Saints really haven't been in a lot of big time, you know, national audience games. If if he comes out and has a big time game, like I think he is absolutely in that mix.
2: Wow. All right. So there you go. That's Thursday night football um, preview. The shoulders of greatness. Um. One little uh, note, circling back to some butt talk. I listened to the summertime hot butt preview. And, uh, Mark, you, really? you had tagged – yeah, I'm a pro, bro. Pro, bro. Got time on your hands. <laughs> no, you just work it into the sked. Okay. You build it into your morning sked. That's what I did. Well, it, unveil your findings. Mark Sessler, Jim Caldwell, and John Fox you nominated.
3: Eh, I mean, I don't think that I, that both could happen. I don't think that was a shocking – I didn't go out on a massive limb there with either name.
2: No, and we – at the time, we commented, listen, you got on base there. You got the segment going. Yeah. It was They were safe picks, but good ones because... But so where is this day.
3: going? Someone else was had a much more daring idea?
2: Chris Wessling. He went with um, a player and a coordinator, Blake Bortles. Remains on the hot seat. And Steve S- 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 Sarkeesian, who... Hmm. Yeah, well, Thursday night could be a big uh, referendum on old Stevie. One of those feels pretty secure. Um, I went with Bill O'Brien. And I think <clears throat> safe. Bill's probably safe. Totally safe. Unless ownership... Uh, it's weird
4: because it of the, the record is bad, but the his performance, they've played pretty well, considering. He
3: was coach of the year candidate when Deshaun Watson was. Had, right. had that gone on for nine more weeks, he'd be
2: Super Bowl bound, potentially. And this is one of those, uh, I'm, I'm going to look like a dummy right now, but at the time, there was some logic to it. Sean Payton on the at hot the time seat, entering the season. Now he's probably going to be there until the end of time.
4: At the time, there was. Sneaky, there's so many good coach of the year candidates that Sean Payton doesn't even... Get mentioned, but they've had about as good a turnaround yeah, as anyone. He
2: maybe you know, there's three Sean's that could get that could get the awards. So. <laughs> there is there is a um, are you still got Sean McDermott? I, I,
3: I think
4: McDermott's
2: out of the I'm putting <laughs> I'm
3: putting uh, Payton securely in second place there in the Sean Derby uh, with McDermott a solid third.
2: But it does show you how much first of all that no one really thought the Saints season was going to play out like this, and also that they were three and uh, seven and nine three straight years and were just kind of going nowhere fast with their. I did
4: have there. them as my division champion. The
2: Look at you! Into the year. Congratulations! If only I put sandwiches. In. Haven't you
3: done that? Haven't you done that with the Saints multiple two times? times every year? Yeah. Not at now. Not with Eagles. the Saints. The Eagles
4: every year. I mixed it up in the South.
2: And finally, Greg, you had Jay Gruden and Chaz Pagano. Well, I took one safe one there, and Jay Gruden.
4: You know what? He could. I don't think he would have been crazy to put on that long shot list. Right. I think he's a really good coach, and he's done a good job. It's just that organization throws surprises at you sometimes. So he wouldn't be the, cr- the craziest
2: stunner at the end of the year. Yeah. So he did get an extension. An
4: That's why I didn't write him down. Was I forgot he got so an extension. So did Peyton the year before. He got an yeah. extension last uh, off season.
2: Jeff Fisher got an extension once upon a time. That didn't help out. <laughs>
4: right. It was actually announced, someone pointed out, a year ago this month it leaked out.
3: Oh, because they had a big win. Didn't they have like some that sort of – It leaked
4: of- out that Fisher had gotten an extension, and <laughs> Fisher said, I don't know how that leaked out.
2: Yeah sometimes in quiet quieter moments I still think about Jeff Fisher holding the dog <laughs> right.
3: next to how the woman that he picked
2: up at the supermarket how can you not? to be his friend waving at the buses as the as his former Rams team the day after he was fired was shipped off to slaughter against the Seahawks.
4: It was the great horror movie <laughs> moment of the year.
2: How about how quickly the NFL changes? The Rams were a laughing stock, uh not even competitive at that point, and now they're heading towards twelve and four. That's football. Last last note before we go. Oh, yeah, a little ATN cat update. Our GoFundMe uh, to raise money for uh, local animal shelters here in Culver City. We've wrapped up the donation process. Where did we finish up there, Lindsay Fulton? $1,375.
3: Whoa. That is amazing. One thing, by the way, we did not intentionally, we did not plaster social media with this in a desperate attempt to get everyone possible to contribute. We had one tweet during Thursday Night Football last week where we were at about $500. The next morning, we had... By the end of the game, we had crossed $1,000. And by the next morning, we were well beyond it. So we do have the greatest listeners. This is not the first GoFundMe uh, venture that they've been involved in in a helpful way. So thank you very much. It's
2: really... um, I am... Continually amazed by how much um, loyalty the listeners have for the show and, and and when it comes to a good cause. In this case, the cause is Karma Rescue, which is a nonprofit dedicated to saving animals in need by finding them permanent homes and providing the re- resources for successful companionship. Uh, KarmaRescue.org if you want to learn more. Mark, update on your cat situation. You are deathly allergic and yet you are becoming a, a, there's a cat lady. You're a cat boy.
3: Uh, yeah, not, uh, I, I would say I'm not involved in the process at this point. The, my wife and our wonderful neighbor have done a lot of work. There are at this point, four, cat boy. four cats, uh, roaming around our yard and we're going to, uh, there's a process here to get them to a shelter at some point, but it, uh, yeah, there's cat food in our yard, which I can't tell the smell of cat food or the, or the sight of it. How about the uh,
2: poop? Is there like poop everywhere?
3: I have not investigated that. They are very cute though. You
1: don't have sandboxes, do you?
3: We do. Yeah, yeah you I keep those clothes. No, we got issues.
4: Little does Dan know that Catboy is actually a popular figure in uh, one of my daughter's favorite shows, P- Bro. J-
3: PJ Masks.
4: Jack's
2: way into PJ Masks. Oh, yeah.
3: Is it like a boy who is a cat? He does is. Cat is not, he's eat? like
2: a young child, and him and his two chums. <laughs> um, at night, after it's bedtime, they put on costumes. It's Catboy, it's Gecko, and another... Owlette. Owlette, and they... <laughs> Clean up the streets. A boy is
3: named Owlette. That feels like no, a female. That's a honestly. Uh, oh, Listen, there
2: crazy. could be there could be girls that are superheroes. Mark,
3: I thought you said it was a boy named Owlette. Don't continually. <laughs> oh, I'm. You know, it's the eighth time in the show where Dan's trying to put me into an uncomfortable corner that would get me in trouble with the employee. Good, good PJ Mass
2: talk. <laughs> Good PJ Masks talk. Uh, all right. That's it for uh, today's show. Thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday recapping that TNF game and then uh, break down all the week 14 games. This is Dan Hanza signing off for Quiet Storm, Connie Fox, the old boss, Christian Anderson, and Lindsey Fulton behind the glass. Till Thursday.